Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms like Ryan has, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products as well as Quantum Muscle Rub, uh, Rehab X, and many more. Visit them starting November 29th for their grand opening from 4 to 8 p.m. with amazing Black Friday deals good music and delicious food or check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door the inside of this smoker boutique is something you have to see for yourself if you can't make it out on black friday remember to shop their products online at goldboys303.com that's goldboys303.com you'll receive 30 percent off site-wide on black friday and if you're buying in bulk call for your discount at 720-372-9843 and they'll take care of you gold boys where everything is gold. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I might hit up that grand opening, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah Black yeah, Friday yeah. deals. Yeah. yeah. Seems right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. We had our Friendsgiving on Monday, and let me tell you, we drank a lot of Christmas ales. We did. <laughs> Can confirm. That is my favorite one at the moment from Breck. Me, too. It actually is my favorite at the moment. It's so delicious. So good. It it's just perfect for like a cold winter day. Exactly. And it was a cold winter day, snowing <laughs> and everything. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, Drew. I know. I missed that. I know. Oh. He was sitting over there like, I'm keep my mouth shut. Just, like, I was going to pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> just going to pretend. 30 minutes of rolling the pool ball back and forth from what that I was, saw. Yeah. <laughs> Why are men so easily distracted and entertained? I don't we weren't understand. distracted. We were focused. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I saw the video on Twitter and I thought for a second, oh, he's actually going to get the perfect roll on I that know. ball. Yeah. The problem is there's like a slight hill. Which is concerning for Henry's building. It means it's not, it's not standing straight up. Wow. And yeah, well, you uh, did? Kale got it within like two inches. Two inches, yeah. It was a it was a great roll. I I really hate. It was my idea to play, and then I didn't win. That really bothered me. But, but I did win the meme this, game later. So they played this game. 
for way longer than you should have. It's literally just rolling the ball, <laughs> hitting the, Each the wall and having it bounce back. Each person had five tries, and so I think it went so on for at least The way I learned minutes. this game is you're supposed to put a $100 bill down, and whoever mm-hmm. stops it on the bill Ooh, wins. wins the, wait, who's hundred, who volunteers the 100 I was going to oh. say the game would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> chip in that one. <laughs> gotcha. So you got to right. go to the bank first. Everyone puts $20. Yeah. <laughs> Be right back. A sports. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah, this that was, was a sport. that was a sport. Mm, yeah, it was a sport. There was a really. ball. There was a yeah. winner. Yep, sports. Let's talk <laughs> about some basketball. The Nuggets have won six straight games. Oh, actually, before we talk basketball, at eleven thirty-five, the Broncos should be announcing who their starting QB <sighs> is going to be up. this <laughs> week. So let's talk about that real quick before it actually happens. Ryan, who do you think is going to be the starter this week? I don't think I don't think anymore. I was gonna say, <laughs> t- t- tell us, Broncos give us an opinion that's gonna ability. be out of date in an hour. Yeah, yeah, the Broncos have taken away my ability to think because logic has evaded them, and now it's evaded me. Um, okay, it should be Drew Locke. I think they're actually gonna play coy with us today, so I think they're gonna say like we're activating Drew Locke. We haven't made a decision on the starter yet. Um, the telltale sign here that there's something going on though. Today is when the starting quarterback is supposed to talk to the media. The Broncos didn't list a starting quarterback on the schedule. You feel like if it was going to be Brandon Allen, who has been the starting quarterback for the last few weeks, they would have put down Brandon Allen. So at the very least, it's up in the air. We can only hope. We can only hope and pray (laughs) that Drew Sember will be upon us. So I'm a dumb Broncos fan, right? I don't don't know – Anything inside from the outside, this really sounds like Drew Lock sucks, and I know that's not the message they're wanting to send. But if you have this guy and you have no reason not to play him, and you don't play him, I just sit and go, "Man, he must suck." Yeah, I mean that's a bad take. Uh, it is a bad take. <laughs> it is, but a bad I take. understand why that take exists. Here's the thing: he gets injured in the second or the third week of the preseason, and he doesn't practice. Now you can make all the arguments you want whether he should have gone on IR in the first place at all. I would say no. They did it. Then they could have activated him. They thought they were still in it, so they didn't because they want you know they wanted to use the 53rd roster spot on some guy who might help them win a game. Now they've reached the point where it is you should play Drew Locke. There's no reason not to, except for the fact that he's only practiced nine times since coming back from mm. that injury. So he's got you know we'll call it ten training camp practices, nine regular season practices, and the yeah. Other side of the coin would be, is it fair to him to throw him in there with that little uh, preparation time? <laughs> All right, I'm going to um, interrupt you real quick. Mike Kliss tweeted, John Elway uh, on KOA, Drew Locke and Brandon Allen will get reps and make a decision later in the week. So Boom! Nailed it! Spot on. <laughs> Nailed it! Yeah, exactly. Heck yeah! Wow. Uh, so, Ryan wins the week. <laughs> yes, it'll Feeling be a twenty-year-old quarterback from the SEC. We know that much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, well, in his twenties, in his twenties. Yes. 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 Um, Neither of them is twenty. We should <laughs> specify that. So that's the thing. Is it's like, is it fair to put him in there with with this little preparation? I'm of the belief of just like sink or swim, you know. Yeah. And yeah. we don't need Drew Locke to go out there and lead the Broncos to the Super Bowl. Mm. We just want to see. Him make NFL throws, make NFL reads, look comfortable out there. So um, it's I think starting him this week is the perfect opportunity uh, because he's you've got a nice cushy home game here, and you need to play him to get anyone in the stands. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's like you, you're going to get five games, and to me, 
look what happened with Brandon Allen. Game one, he looked good. You know, he led them to a win. Game two, uh, not so good. Game three, okay, that was definitely a fluke, you know. <laughs> you give Drew Locke five games, you're not going to have the sample skewed by one terrible game or one great game. You get an actual idea here to come out and say, all right, what should we do with our first-round pick? I mean, what they really need to be doing is maximizing every asset they have, and Drew Locke should be treated the same way. So preparation matters. Stuntiness development matters. You know, we're as a city, we're all locked into, oh, will he play? We need an answer. Like, five games in your rookie season shouldn't give us an answer regardless. Mm, right. But it gives you a piece of information. If, if he goes out there and he's sure. below average for five games, you're probably feeling like, okay, maybe we should go get a quarterback. I, again, I I think it's all in the greater scheme of, okay, can we upgrade at quarterback? Yeah, we probably could, regardless of how he plays in five games. Look at the conversation that's happening right now, though, with Bradley Chubb versus Josh Allen. It's like, we sat there, and they, got, they had Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch, and Chad Kelly. That was their quarterback room. And we're sitting there saying, man, the goal is to never be picking at five again. Yeah. So when are you ever going to have an opportunity, especially in a quarterback class that year that had five first-round quarterbacks, when are you ever going to have an opportunity again to pick this guy? Now, turns out they had another top-ten pick last year, and they're going to have another one this year, which was not the ideal goal. But eventually, the goal is to not be picking that high. And so if you're going to not feel confident about your quarterback situation and have the fifth overall pick, you need to keep going there. In my opinion, draft it and, and keep attacking that position until you get it right. Yeah, I'd agree. I I also think, you know, it's going to depend on what quarterbacks are available, and that's, you know, all about maximizing assets. And In the end, the perfect situation for the Broncos is Drew Locke goes out there, looks awesome. The shit, the focus shifts from when are we ever going to get a quarterback to now we have a guy, and let's start building around him. You go get a left tackle in the first round, and then you go. Why are you tilting your head? You said the focus shits. <laughs> <laughs> we all were like, oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I missed that. But it was a great point, though, other than that. that, that yeah. mess up. All right. Well, I wanted to get that out of the way. Let's talk some basketball. Let's. Like I was saying, the Nuggets are riding a six-game win streak. They beat the Washington Wizards 117-104 to 104 last night. What are you thinking of their performance overall? They've really picked it up. Their defense has been great. Yeah. Well, number one defense in all of the NBA. Who yep. saw that coming? Not me. I thought they had a chance at the number one offense, and I thought their defense would be good. Top 10 maybe, right around the 8, 9, 10, 11 mark. Um, but they're number one in defense. They've been great. Um, their best player is still hibernating, which is great. <laughs> um, the thing about this team is that they are 13-3. and three. They have the third best record in the NBA. And it feels like they've played about B-plus basketball so far, B-basketball. And I think that's just really, really encouraging. When earlier this season they were playing around C, C-plus yeah. basketball. So they're, they're getting better, slowly yeah. but surely. Slowly rounding into shape. Um, they have had a lot of home games, especially recently. They have now, I think, six of their next seven on the road against some pretty good teams. The Lakers come to town on Tuesday, which I think will be a battle for first place. So some big tests ahead for them, but... You know, the Nuggets got lucky this year in their schedule. In the, maybe the last five years, they've had a really tough opening schedule. They had an easy – I won't say easy. They had a nice one this year for getting um, kind of a groove going, and, and I, I think it's really, really benefited them. But um, getting contributions, one of the things about Denver is they're not a one-player team. You know, you look at the Houston Rockets. James Harden, if he has a bad night, the Rockets have a bad night. Uh, you, Lakers, LeBron has a bad night. It's, it's bad. Most teams, most good teams, that's how it is. 
with the Nuggets, Jokic is their best player. And he's had some off nights and they've won. Uh, and he's had some good nights and they've won. But they just have so many different guys that can step up and be the best player on any given night. And I think that was Michael Malone's vision several years ago. I think that was Tim Conley's vision several years ago. And it's nice that the, the fruits of all of that labor are starting to, to sprout. Yeah. yeah. The uh, fruits, fruits sprout. Don't grow. <laughs> anyway, there's there's a sprouting of the fruits in is, Denver. They're starting to harvest. They're harvesting it. Is yeah. the difference between B plus and A basketball strictly Jokic, or is there something yes. else there? No, I think it, well, you you could point to three point shooting, which has picked up recently. I mean, I think Denver has some guys that are capable of knocking down shots that just haven't necessarily gotten hot. Um, but yeah, if Jokic was playing, you look at you look at the offense, which I think is ranked 17th, 18th, 19th, somewhere in there. Um, you look at the offense and you think this is a team that should be really explosive, but what has made them explosive was the Jokic offense. We call it Jokic ball uh, on the Nuggets beat. When they're playing that style where everything goes through him and he's dropping triple doubles and it just seems like, I say, the ball is popping. Everything, Everybody's on the same page. They haven't had that. The offense has looked really clunky and they've scored despite, uh, despite that. Um, so that's the one thing. And again, I think it all comes down to Jokic and he's a true NBA superstar. He is in November mode, which is about 70%. It's kind of crazy to me how hard it is for coaches to convince teams that defense is the key to everything. I mean, you know, I'm watching Tad Boyle is similar to Michael Malone in the sense that he says like defense and rebounding, defense and rebounding. And he just tries to pound that into the heads of his players. And I have to get my plug in for the buffs here. But like last night they, you know, they're playing a game. They don't have it on offense. I mean, they just simply didn't have it. And actually, two nights ago, the same thing. They didn't have it. They scored 15 points in the first half. Oof. But guess what? 15. They held their opponent to 15 points yeah. in the first half. If you play defense, you, c you can win on any night. If you are a team that just relies on your offense, well, you can tell in the first quarter, oh, it's rattling out on them. It's going to be a tough one for them to win. I think we're in an all-time high for just quality of play in the NBA. There's so many really, really talented players, play a smart style of basketball, share the ball, whatever, balanced attacks. Um, you have to be good at both. And I think with coaches, people play hard on offense just inherently. It's like it's a natural thing to want to play hard there because scoring is fun. So I think coaches always hammer the defensive angle uh, really, really hard, but – there are teams, the Dallas Mavericks right now, the best offense in the NBA, one of the worst defenses. They're also winning. So I push back a little bit on, on that whole thing about, oh, defense is the only way. You have to be great at at least one to win. you got to be great at both to win the big title. And Denver right now, they've got the part that traditionally they haven't been good at. They've got that part. What, the offense will come. What I was saying, though, is that defense doesn't come and go, usually. It's mm. not I mean, streaky. It's a focus. It's yeah. up to you whether the defense is there tonight. It's yeah. not always up to you whether your shot is falling that night or if, you know, you know the de or the other defense is playing well that night. You know, you can control defense. You can just wake up and say, we're going to play great defense today. You can't wake up and say, we're just going to make threes today. Yeah, I think offense can be a lot more consistent than you're saying. But you're right that there are shooting and missing. and it, it, Same goes for defense. You can guard really well. You're still going to give up shots, and sometimes teams just hit the tough ones and you tip your hat to them. But um, my, whole, my whole point was there is this idea I think people are talking about of, oh, they're a defense and that's all you need. Like the offense is cute or whatever. No, you got to score. The, you look at the teams that have yeah. dominated the, the playoffs over the last couple of years. The Rockets have been great. Very awesome offense, pretty good defense. Warriors great at both. Yeah. The Cavs, the Cavs team that that went to the finals two years ago, one of the worst defensive teams in all of the NBA, but just an offense that you couldn't stop. So that's why I push back on this. Also, you had LeBron. We well, had LeBron. Well, the Nuggets have Jokic, who is an who 
until this year has been an offensive engine that you just put them on the court, doesn't matter which guys are on, and the offense is great. It hasn't been the case this year. But the reason I push back on this is I I love that Denver is winning the way that they are winning, and it's really, really important to them. But at some point, and maybe it doesn't it doesn't have to be till the playoffs begin, but at some point they're going to need both, and they're capable of both. And I think even Malone has sort of shifted his focus. Two, two games ago, Denver wins against Boston, and he's, he's happy, and he says, you know, I like it, I like the win, but it's time we start focusing on our offense. Fifteen games into the season, he finally said, okay, the defense is where I want. I could turn my attention to the offense. But he, too, knows that – you can't win 93-96 every night either. Same thing. You've got to start putting up some points. I want to bring that conversation to the other sports too because you hear the saying if defense wins championships. I hear it a lot in football. What about in hockey and baseball? We already talked about uh, basketball. AJ and I have this conversation a lot on the Avs pod of what – is defense really because ultimately the whole goal is to have the ball or the puck or whatever as much as physically possible so the best defense sometimes is a good offense because that means you have the ball and it's you shooting which means they aren't right so it's it's tough to say in hockey it's particularly difficult because turnovers are just constant (laughs) but in even in basketball and in sports like that when you're controlling the pace of play, when you're imposing your will on the game and you have the majority of the possession, by default, the other team is just going to score less. It, it, I'm going to just chime in on that same point because an offense, if you score and you get to go back, they have to take the ball out of the hoop and you go back and set your defense, your defensive efficiency jumps by like 10%. So the more you score, the easier defense gets. Denver not scoring and still getting stops, that's why it's so impressive. So. To your point, that's why I push back on this narrative. Yes, defense wins in that you have to be good at defense, but you also have to be good at offense. And it's it do, it's not as cool of a cliche to say defense and offense wins. <laughs> defense and offense win championships. Good basketball wins championships. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's it's obviously quite a bit different in yeah. baseball where everybody stops and goes and, and plays a different position. It's nowhere near as fluid uh, as like there's not a turnover. Right. So, so and it's, it, that's not a thing. And, and the pitcher is probably the most important person to preventing the other team yeah. from scoring. But there is a similarity, I think, to what Ryan was talking about earlier. Real with quick, though, that's the same thing, though. It's like if you have a great staff, you mm. can count on that more than you can count on bats. Like Your bats just go cold. There's huge. no reason or rhyme. Exactly. But like great pitchers rarely just go into like a, a, like a slump the, the same way that Nolan Arenado can go 0 for 26. Exactly. I and think that's a difference between football and baseball and basketball and hockey is football and baseball have players that specifically play this position on defense. Basketball and hockey, you play offense and you play defense. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's part of your position, right. yeah. And in a weird way, it is a part of your position in baseball because you have to do both. It's just that the two skill sets don't inherently have right. anything to do with each other. And there's there's which fairly steady things of, okay, well, we always have a, a big bat at first base or whatever. Right. But Until uh, Tata Helton's uh, like 40 and playing. Right. But <laughs> you'll, you'll see teams doing all kinds of weird stuff now where it used to be stick a big slugger out in left field. Well, the Rockies played Rymal Tapia in left field for – most of the season. Now, there's all kinds of weird things. Or it used to be short stops. Had to be your little speedy guy who was a defense, and, and you got most of your value from him on defense. Now there's guys who are like 6'4 and hitting 30 home runs a season. And Now you have like a middle linebacker playing for the Rockies at shortstop, and like, he's still the best of Seriously. Them. But I did want to ask you about the um, kind of the rankings, the, because I know in a lot of sports, is it still just points per game? Is that how no, we're saying? No, no. Good, because they used to do that, and that <laughs> right. really bothered me. It should be 
points per possession. And that's what it is. It's actually good. points per 100 possessions, which I think on average, it, the NBA, there's about 100 possessions. But some teams play faster. And right. There's 105, and some teams play slower, and it's like 95. Denver's on the slower end. So putting it on a per 100 possessions basis levels the playing field. So you say, every time down court, how much do you get scored on? And then over the course of a game, what would, an average game, what would that be? So, um, yeah, so Denver's efficiency, when I talk about their number one in defense, they're number one in points allowed per 100 possessions. Awesome. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously covering the Rockies, I, I – I blink at some of those stats sometimes. It happens in the NFL a lot. They'll be like, they're the best defense. Like, why? They've allowed the least amount of points. And I'm like, well, who have they played and where have they yeah. played? Because yeah. for me, the Rockies lead the league in runs scored every single year. They're not the best offense in baseball. That has a lot to do with where they play. And and so that's not going to be the same in some of the other sports. But it's like you got to put stats like that in a, in a certain amount of context. Well, so there's even more context. All of these advanced stats are great for sort of like giving you a general idea. But even what you just mentioned, who you played. So Denver, for example, hasn't played the Lakers, who are a dynamic offense. That'll probably lower their defensive efficiency right. a little bit. They also haven't played the Warriors, who can't score with anybody. They don't have any players right now, any actual NBA players. That's and that so would raise weird. it. So. Um, there is a lot of – you can't take that as gospel. Denver, when they're number one, you know at least that they're pretty good. They're, right. they're one of the better teams. What's weird, Adam, is that they're playing on the lower side of the possessions. Sure. Because typically – One of like, the slowest. That would be like an old George Carlism is like, we need to play great defense because then defense is going to translate into us running yeah. and running and gun. And at altitude, that's like our identity. That's what we want to do. Yeah. So playing great defense but not really playing at a high pace is – and not playing very efficient or great offense is super anti-the-Nuggets anti way. Going back to Doug Moe. It kind right? of, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, a, lot, a lot of coaches over, over in Denver history have, have tried to run, um, even George Carl. Yeah. But I think this is a problem with the offense. Running produces better looks. The more you can sure. get out in transition, the more you score quickly, your offense, the defense gets scrambled quicker, and you score a lot more. The fact that Denver's sort of walking the ball up the court, I think, is part of, part of the problem with their offense so far. That's what happens when you have a... Godzilla playing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, guard. you know what you guys waiting for. We're waiting for that guy. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is I don't think it's him. Uh, Jamal Murray, I think, is actually the lead culprit, the lead ball handler, who's a very, very slow at walking the ball up and deliberate. But here's another thing: number one defense. These guys are flying around. I do wonder sometimes if you can play fast and play great defense. Yeah. That yeah. you're talking about the two hardest things to do: run mm -hmm. in transition and fly all over effort. the court. It's effort, effort stuff. yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to bring up a quick thing that I'm reading on Twitter. Elway on KOS, KOA said, it'll be a good start to get the Drew Lock jerseys going. That's interesting. Maybe <laughs> maybe you want the player so on the field now? before you start selling yeah. stuff. It'll be oh. I'll More read of a it pitch again. meeting. Then. <laughs> it'll be a good start to get the Drew Lock jerseys going. I'm confused. Maybe he drove by the Pepsi Center today and saw the lines out there. Yeah. And was like, man, that's a oh, lot go. of money. <laughs> Gotta sell some jerseys here. That is a lot of money. Um, they all are wearing all blue, so that might have something to do with it. Blue. We're just those are just now called the Drew Lock jerseys. <laughs> the Drews. I'm in, I'm Drew Blues. The Drews. Drews Blues. Drews right. Blues. <laughs> Love it. Um. Well, speaking of jerseys and the Pepsi Center, if you're watching on the live stream. You can see that Ryan has the new city edition of the Nuggets jersey in black. You went this morning to get that. How was the line? What was the experience like? It was really interesting. I mean, I, I have to admit, as I was standing at a line of like 200 people, just all just bucked up and ready to spend like $400, I was like, 
I'm part of the trap. <laughs> I fell into it. I was just, I could hear the cash register just going and going and going. And I was like, okay, I get it. They do this every year for this reason, because all they have to do is release a new Jersey that looks really dope. And hundreds of people will come in and spend hundreds of dollars on it. It's genius. And this Jersey was just too dope for me to like, try and stick it to the man and not, not play <laughs> along with the, the game. Man. If the abs are any indication, the Jersey doesn't even have to be dope. It just has to be Rip. new. It just <laughs> has to be new. They'll yeah, buy it. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of how like it is with like hats in for the Rockies. Oh, yeah. like, they just if they're playing in a different hat, like I, I used to be that guy too, and I was more of a hat guy. It's like, oh, new hat. Ha- I have to have the full collection of Rockies hats. <laughs> At least those are like thirty-five dollars. Yeah. Purple and black with camouflage on it. I've always needed that. <laughs> yeah. Those things go so well together. What made you decide on the Murray? So they only had four in the authentic. So the options were Jokic. Murray, Gary Harris, and MPJ, which is hilarious. We can even wow. talk about that in a second. Um, and I don't know. I just – I can't go yoke. I can't go yoke because it's like a swagger thing. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> – there's just not enough swagger there for me. Like, I, I, I want to, right. like, put on the jersey and feel uh, like I got cooler. No, uh, but you also like <laughs> no, but you also just don't like to get that first guy because when you were looking at Nav's jersey, you Let didn't go for me or you didn't go for um, Nathan McKinnon. You went for Miko. Yeah, that was my second point. Right. Is I I never want yeah. the jersey that, that the most popular jersey, uh, and then the, for some reason, like I just I don't know three. I I'm just, I just love threes, and Jokic doesn't make enough of them. Oh, okay. So that, <laughs> that's my reasoning. I actually wanted Wancho, like <laughs> yeah. deep down. There was a there was a part of me that was just like pulling me towards Wancho, and then that wasn't an option for like the top of the line jersey, so I, yeah. I had to go with Murray. You got to custom make the Wancho one. Yeah, and like there was obviously the idea of like, oh, Wancho might not not even be here next right. year, and I was like, yeah, but even if that happens, it'll just, he'll right. he'll be like he's like a cult hero. Yeah. Who is this? Who's the cult hero for every team? Because it's definitely Wancho, and it's hilarious right now at Pepsi Center. Every time like a shot goes up from him, the whole crowd like stands up and it's <laughs> so like so excited. It's like, no, it's Twenty. What are you excited for this? Like, yeah, Wancho's gonna make one. I mean, though. is he a cult hero or more of a mascot? Both. A little bit of both. Like a, I mean, a bit of the victory cigar, so and that's no, part of the appeal. He, no, he's too good to be just the straight victory cigar guy, but he's also not good enough that this many people should have him as like their their favorite guy. So How did he become – what did he do to become – I don't even know he why I love him. He shimmied in the corner. No, I mean, he's done a lot of funny <laughs> – Oh, so, my God, his shimmy is no, incredible. So a couple things. His, <laughs> I was looking for that gift the oh, other day so and couldn't good. find it anywhere. So, good. so there was the Warriors game three years ago, his rookie year, where like Gallo was out. The Nuggets basically punted. And we're like, all right, our rookies get to play. We'll throw Wancho out there. And he he had, I think, like 30 points or yeah. something. He was just on fire, and they beat the the great Warriors team. I think that's when I nicknamed him Lancho. <laughs> yeah, man, probably. Oh, it man. sounds right. Then, then he had the game-saving block against the Warriors, and then he had the shimmy in the corner. He just has some moments where yeah. it's like when he's in there, he's pure adrenaline and fun. And remember when he shut down KD? <laughs> I mean, I think that was one of these games, one of these <laughs> Warriors games. Shut down KD. Who's the Broncos, Cole? Here? Yeah. Phil? <laughs> no, because Phil's too good yeah, to be he's that. Like yeah. He's also like yeah. their best player. Um, <laughs> Drew Locke? I guess, yeah. Maybe. That's like, I mean, that's Until the one Sunday, that like. At least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe like Brandon Allen three weeks ago. Alexander Johnson? Again, With really, his weird he's good enough. He's like dinosaur sound. I don't think football can have this because you don't like bring guys off the bench. Reisner maybe <laughs> T- is. Tebow was this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. 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 Every fan yeah, everyone did like Shaq. 
even then though, like it's he's too good for me to like compare him to yeah. anyone. I don't know. I think football's just different because you're not like bring in that guy, you know? Like what about like special like, teams guys? Like what about like uh, oh, oh the there pun- it is, there, yeah. Jano. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, very good. I was going to say, who were the weirdos when I played? Oh, yeah, everybody on special teams. <laughs> yeah. From the high school kicker. Yeah. What are, is there a Rockies one, though? The guy that's like maybe not, the he gets popular? more love than he's worth? There's a few. The problem with like Rockies land. Para. Yeah, right. But the problem with Rockies land is every one of these guys, like you could take Walters or Tapia are the mm-hmm. two I would take, but yeah. they also have a lot of people that just hate them. Oh, okay. <laughs> that so that's the same Tapia. kind of thing, yeah. Traditional stuffy traditionalists who don't like that he runs a weird route Get to the baseball every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, Toppy <laughs> does thing. a lot of things. That I love are... when he smells the bat. It's my favorite. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> <It's so weird. laughs> taste the bat. That's so takes good. a weird route, you know, but still catches the ball. So yeah, there are a lot of traditionalists. Flies that off just, as he's running yeah. for it. Toppy is definitely be my, my favorite of the three we've named so far. Yeah. All right. See, the Avs have a very. Canadian version of this and Matt Calvert who's like just okay. born and bred Canadian all the way Tough guy. so yeah. super but car- also the character. dad on the yeah. team right? well definitely the team dad yeah he's got a couple of kids of his own and he, he's Kill if you get him car. in an interview he'll, <laughs> <laughs> he'll hit like every single cliche of Canadian people in, in interviews to be like oh the way she goes you know it's just how they do it out there in Canada yeah. <laughs> we got our milk and bags a eh? you know what we're saying but he, and he's, he eat mayonnaise chicken. He, I don't. So I've never heard Almost. of mayonnaise chicken until <laughs> Caleb McCarr's mom came until. up with it. So, yeah, that's a new one for me. But I've just assigned that to Canada. They're probably like, "What the hell?" Because like Caleb McCarr's family is weird. It doesn't mean we eat that. But he's he is that type of player who's like. Almost talented enough, but not quite. <laughs> yeah. But he makes up for it by trying really hard. Yeah. So the fan base just kind of falls in love with those type of guys. Yeah. What about like a younger guy though? A younger guy. Like I mean, McCarr's way too like... good. Timmons is probably too hyped to really okay. be, be well, considered. Too, that. Like, too I feel high like of a JT yeah. Comfer has a big following. Yeah, Comfer's a decent one. He's he They're doesn't like really the have the, the super personality. <laughs> Basically, all they're all so cute. adorable. <laughs> is Rosen becoming that for like no. the diehards? No. We all want to see him play, but we're we're pretty realistic about what he is. I'm not gonna not gonna say he's gonna be some love interest of the fan base or anything. But um, Francois would be a good one in goal. Frankie, I feel like the backup goalie is always lovable unless he sucks. Yeah, like Hamburglar. Hamburglar. Everyone (laughs) loved Pickard. Everybody loved. It's really everybody loved backup goalies. They had a great streak. That's like backup quarterbacks. And it's catchers. Tony, everyone loved Tony Walters until he was a plays. starter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, before we hop into some hockey talk, I do want to give uh, more of a shout out to uh, basketball teams in Colorado yesterday. The Nuggets won. Men's basketball at CU won. Women's basketball at CU also won. Oh, the women's basketball team is 6-0. The men's basketball team is 5-0, so two undefeated teams. And then both the Rams women and men's team won yesterday as well, and they both are 4-3 and three on the year. So just all, a lot of wins. So the Rams are playing right now. Oh, they are? Against Washington Why State. another such an early Cayman game? Cayman Islands, baby. Oh, okay. Justin okay. Michael living his best life. See, right? basketball teams already have as many wins as their football team. More. Oh, oh no, oh. the same. It's yeah. same. Just checking. Just checking. Check. <laughs> um, I... Don't try and not today. Right. <laughs> not today. <laughs> not, today. Uh, not on this we'll, day, we'll, sir. We'll talk some college we football. We won two in a row, so you can stand <laughs> down. 
We'll watch some. We'll talk about some college football in the second segment. But let's hit on the Avs. They take on the Edmonton Oilers tonight. They are on a two-game losing streak. So they're looking to pick it up. But we got some good news on the injury yeah. front. Miko Rantanen isn't playing tonight. He said it himself, but could be on the in the lineup on Friday and Saturday. I would expect Saturday for sure. Friday, maybe. We'll see. Hopefully. The Avs could need it. Uh, given all the injuries they've had, I'm not hopeful against the Oilers again after McDavid put up six points against them last time. It's going to be a tough game, but... Honestly, fine. This game doesn't matter now that we know Miko is coming back. The Avs are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, which is exactly what we asked for without all of their star players in the lineup. So, yep, yeah, it's good enough right now. And Landy skated for the first time. That's also exciting. Is EJ out for tonight, or is he still day-to-day? He was doubtful. The Avs love to not make that decision until <laughs> 30 minutes before puck drop. I don't expect that he will play. Rosen was called up, as Andre was talking about, and they called him up with three days' worth of practice time. So I expect them to get in unless EJ like demands to go before the game or something. It was a bit of a weird thing with him getting checked into the boards by Kerfoot. He was Something was definitely hampering him, but then it seemed like he took some other injury to his lower body mm. later in the game, too. So I think he's just a little beat up in general right now. Yeah, because he got up after being cross-checked very quickly, which a lot of people said led to only having that two-minute penalty yeah. instead of a major. What was and up then, with that hit? Yeah, and then Kerfoot got suspended for two games. It was just a dumb moment. I mean, he wasn't trying to kill the guy or anything, but you just can't do that. That was dangerous. And, and yeah, right. He got suspended for two games, and they called it a minor. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there <laughs> in what the league wants out of that penalty. I mean, if he if his if he doesn't get his head out of the way like at the very last second, that could have been pretty bad. Uh, you'd be surprised how often that that you get away with that in the NHL. There's a lot of moments like that where you're like, that guy might have just died. Yeah. And oh, then they God. get up and you're like, oh, okay. I guess mm. he's all right. It's crazy sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Drew, I was thinking when I was at um, Altitude Authentics this morning, there's a shirt that has the Avs logo on it and it just says hockey good. <laughs> I was like, Drew needs this. Right. Hockey. Uh, you uh, are hockey going puck. to your first game, right? That's right. Tonight. 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 Oh, nice. wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never been to any NHL game of wow. any kind. Of any, I'm not sure I've been to any organized hockey game of, mm. of any variety. Yeah, no minors, the no best college. two players in the league tonight. Yeah. And they're not on the apps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Should Kudo. still be a whole lot of fun, though. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to go hang out for a while. There are some DNVR people out there who said they're going to be tailgating, so I'm going to go find them and say what's up. And, nice. and uh, yeah, take in the hockey. And, and hopefully it's not a disappointing loss, but we'll we'll have a good time anyway because your first time you're, you're going to um, enjoy it. But. We are just on fire today, so it was just reported. Bedner says Miko will not make the trip Friday. Expectation oh, no. is for him to return on Saturday at home. So you were right before the news came out, and you were right before the news came out, Ryan and Rudo. Almost like we know what we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> What were you right about today? I, I haven't been right about it. Yeah, <laughs> no. weeks. Good weeks. I feel you. <laughs> oh, e- AJ. I've been right just, about anything since April. AJ just wrote in the live EJ out for the weekend. Sad okay, face. so Aww. it might be a little worse than I thought then, and not surprising, obviously, yeah. given the hit. But it's not a serious issue from everything I've heard. It's more of a day-to-day thing. So I'm sure he'll be back, which. EJ's a little bit of a divisive character in the Avs world right now with his play. He's 
been transitioning into a more defensive role, and that leads to a lot of, I don't want to call it stationary because I do think he moves his feet a lot, but he's not activating into the offensive play, and people peg that as kind of just laziness to a certain extent. Is it because, um, or I don't even know if he's on a line with Sam Gerrard anymore, but Sammy just like. I mean, he shouldn't be on a line with Gerrard anymore because the both of them just have not clicked at all. Yeah. But they do still use him together, and, and it's just, he's getting older. His play is transitioning on a team that is very young and has some offensive talent in Kale McCarr, obviously, and Sam Gerrard, sort of, as well as in the future, you have guys like Connor Timmons and Bowen Byram coming. So he needs to be the defensive stalwart, the veteran on the team, and he's getting there. It's just an adjustment period still for him. Um, how how old is he? He's 31, I believe. Okay. Old man. <laughs> <laughs> the Avs are a young team. That is, yeah, that's are. pretty old for the Avs. Who is who's, who's been on? Yeah, on who's been on the team the longest? He, he's been on. The he's team been the on longest. the team. Well, him and Landy have yeah, been on yeah. the team the longest. He's the oldest. It used to be Soderberg, who was 34 until they moved him in the off season. But I think Calvert is 30, and that's about it. Everyone else is in their 20s. How do you think the Avs are going to do on this home and home against the Blackhawks? I. You'd like to them to win both, but the reality is when teams play each other on back-to-backs like that, you split almost every time. Yeah. So Can't sweep a doubleheader. You can. It <laughs> happens. <laughs> but given that while the Evs should get Miko back for Saturday and they will be a little bit healthier, they're still not going to be 100%. Chicago, I think, is a better team than a lot of people give them credit for. They still have a lot of offensive talent, and they can score on you. So... The Avs' defense has been a little up and down, as I talked about with EJ. They can get themselves into trouble when teams come at them quickly. What is the readjustment level like for a guy coming off an injury in hockey? Because right, like in baseball, they got to send a guy to another level for a week to get back used to seeing a fastball again. Like, how should we expect rust on Miko, or is he going to hop on the ice and oh yeah, he's amazing? We've missed him. Well, when he did in the playoffs last yeah, year, yeah, right, and the preseason this year, the he missed that new <laughs> hockey guy. Well, Miko's also a freak. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, most God. people can't just drop themselves back into NHL level and put up two points a night. Freako, Freako. Yeah, Freak Oranton, and there you go. Um, But usually for most players, you'll see a little bit of a rust. Doing the reassignment stuff, you're talking about like four to six months injuries for hockey players to do anything like that. And even then, it's only a couple games. Um, So the adjustment period generally isn't bad. You don't expect much out of a guy in their first game or two back. But after that, they're back to normal for the most part. You, now that you said that, Miko's going to have like a, just a nasty yeah. snipe. He's go. He's either scoring six points or just yeah. looking awful. <laughs> one of the two. Just the two options. <laughs> All right. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of this show, we had Friendsgiving on Monday and we all went to Total Bev to get all the alcohol for the party. Actually, Henry did because he can't cook. <laughs> well, that's true. he did and he went to total bev and got so much alcohol because of the incredible deal they have going on for the dmvr fam 30 percent off a purchase of 25 dollars or more with a max discount applying up to 75 dollars using the promo code dnvr 2019 online or on the total beverage app be sure to download that today 
Um, Total Bev delivers also to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Don't forget to use the promo code DNVR2019. That's what got Hank was he wanted to go over 75. So yep. It's funny, when I first saw man. that, I, I didn't see the first part. I thought the 75 was the minimum, and I didn't get like, – like my first thought was, all right, now let me figure out how I can spend $75 at Total Bet yeah. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like my, was like, you, oh, I can only go up to. Oh, you shoot. know there's a, it's a great deal when there's a, a cap on it. Yeah. Right. It's like this deal's so freaking good. Yeah. You can only do this much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he got a lot of Christmas what? ale, a Breck sampler, some tequila. Plus it's that time of year. And Wait, you got there was tequila? People coming in. Yes. Oh, yeah. It came out Everyone pretty late. Everyone something different. <laughs> it came out pretty late. Yeah. I mean, just go in the next day. Yeah. Alert. Get the rest in your beer. <laughs> right. Um, but all right. So we covered some hockey. We covered some can basketball. I, can I interject with one thing real quick? Sure. I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Denver Sports Podcast on all of your platforms because we have this one, of course, on uh, all of the channels. These come into your Nuggets, Rockies, Avs, Broncos feed. But we're going to have some cool stuff next week running all for actually for the next mm. couple weeks on this on this channel, the Denver Sports Podcast channel only that you're not going to want to miss out. It's the only teaser I'll put out. So you're going to want to subscribe to that as well. Great point. Go do and that. And and use the promo code is that still going on yep. yeah use the promo code alley at checkout help your girl win some free breck beer um for the holidays i would really appreciate it um so we talked abs we talked nuggets we talked broncos is there anything rockies going <laughs> well, there's, on? what's going on with the rockies there's, right now uh, yeah. there's baseball maneuvering people are starting to sign people uh there's this big news now that it looks like major league baseball is going to contract a bunch of their minor league teams which mm-hmm could mean Colorado losing both of their minor league teams, oh, wow. including my hometown Grand Junction Rockies. Which should have changed to the Chubs. Should have done it. That would have <laughs> saved them. That surely would have would have changed wants the minds. Nobody to buy a team called <laughs> <laughs> Chubs. Anybody? Anybody for a Chub? Oh my uh, god. Yeah. It. It. Um, They're gonna contract the Chubs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Good stuff. And the vibes. The vibes. Uh, oh. oh, brutal. Damn. It. it Vibe it, check. Oh, they're gone. That sucks. It, it is actually, though, legitimately sad for a lot of people out there. This is a very penny-pinchy thing for Major League Baseball to do. Like, yes, minor league baseball teams don't make very much money. And, yes, there's an argument to be made that contracting them will be slightly more efficient for everybody involved. But what they're basically doing is taking the game of baseball away from 42 communities who aren't going to have it anymore and aren't going to get to see John Gray four years be- before he makes his major league debut or David Dahl or Ryan McMahon, all these guys that have come through Grand Junction and, and 42 other places out there for all these other teams. And so it is really sad. I, I know, you know, sometimes you go to those games, there's only 800 people in attendance and the owners can point there and say, look, there's no one coming to these games. There's not that much. But the people who do go to minor league baseball love it, eat yeah. it, breathe it. It grows a lifelong passion for the game. And I, I think they're being very short-sighted here. I think they're going to get more pushback against this than they're anticipating um, because they also made record profits last year. Mm. Well, so, so how would this work for like the organizations like where they just have less places to put their players? Right. And so part of the idea is that there's this excess of minor league baseball players. There's a whole bunch of guys who are just never going to make the big leagues, but because there are so many teams and you have to kind of field enough and you have to have competition, there are all these guys. So that basically like the rookie level and low A will go away. You'll just have A ball, double A ball, triple A ball. None of this rookie level, lower level stuff. 
Um, and so the idea would be there will be independent leagues to catch those mm. other players who might be diamonds in the rough. Um, this is crazy to me. This is a sport where Mike Piazza was drafted in like the 150th round. Oh. Uh, I, I, it's just a weird. Nolan Arenado wasn't a number one, not even a first round draft pick. Oh. Charlie Blackman wasn't a first round draft pick. Trevor Story wasn't. A, that means all 30 teams in baseball passed on these guys with an opportunity to take them. So it's just weird to me that they think, well, we're paying a, a handful of minor league baseball players already don't get paid mm-hmm. nearly enough mo- money. I mean, some of them are would making less than $10,000 a year. Would this make the pool bigger for the guys who are there? That's part of the argument. And and if they go that way, then then I could see that being a very positive thing. Like, look, we're not going to pay all these guys that we're pretty sure aren't going to make it. But the guys who were on the bubble and, and more likely to make it are going to get paid more. But those guys are already more well taken care of. Like, if you've yeah. got a signing bo- bonus, who cares what you make in your minor league deal, right? But... A lot of these guys didn't get a signing bonus. They're trying to stretch literally $10,000 a year, and they don't get their expenses covered. And and now the to think that they might be pinching them more. Like some of those guys might make off better. Some of them just are going to be out of work. Yeah. That is sad, especially because a lot of um, the diehard fan bases for uh, players like uh, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, come from watching them when they first started. It's like a pride thing. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy since how old? Since he was 20 or right. younger. And now he's in the big leagues. Like, that's so exciting. I want to follow him his entire career. It's kind of a special thing about baseball that most other leagues don't have where, like, you've got, like, a, a faction of Rockies fans that live in Hartford, you right. know, because they're Yard Goats fans and they, they grow up to be Rockies. And so, like, then, like, Within the fan base, even you know, especially for a company like us, you probably have listeners in Hartford, right. and that connects you. And then they come into it's like it, it kind of it, it expands the community, creates a cool thing. And well, th- obviously, that's not going away. You but. you wonder if they've thought through the greater repercussions. Like, should you then decrease the number of rounds you have in the MLB draft? Does it become yeah. riskier to draft a high school arm? from rounds five to ten because it's like well we don't have the advantage of rookie ball to kind of develop them and string them through does this make i don't know emphasize recruiting out in the dominican and stuff where you're not worried about as are there enough balls are there enough mounds for these guys to get their reps and we can grow them from 16 to 18 like right and and i worry too that it will continue to be a situation baseball already has this problem the rich getting richer the teams that have the most amount of resources to be able to do that we'll figure it out where the teams that most often benefit from 15th round draft pick sam hilliard mm-hmm. 15th round yeah. draft pick sam hilliard that's like crazy. that's that's a lot that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players <laughs> that we're taking so yeah it's you know it, it's going to be the teams that have the most resources and go out and do that and the other thing too is it's really going to benefit the teams out on the coast one of the big uh, arguments behind doing this is about travel and they're legit like I've talked to some Rockies players I can't remember who said it to me way back in the day he asked me if I was going to follow the team from Grand Junction to Orem I was like no I'm not going to do that he's like good it's the worst bus ride in the world in the history of the world and there there are some eight nine hour bus rides these guys got to go on from Grand Junction to Idaho to Montana and back and so they want to cut out that so all the minor league teams are going to be really close to each other out on the coasts which makes sense from an efficiency standpoint if you don't care about people in the middle of the country Mm. yeah 
Good stuff, Drew. Downer, Drew. Well, yes. So that's going on in my neck. Also, uh, the Braves signed a catcher that all Rockies fans wanted them to sign for $8 million a year out of their price range. No need to do that, though I like Travis Darno And Kyle Gibson, a pitcher I really liked, for just $10 million a year, uh, went to the Rangers today. He, he was one of Patrick and I's top potential targets for the Rockies at $10 million a year, too. Like They could have afforded that. But if you... If you're Kyle Gibson and you said ten million a year to pitch in Texas or ten million a year to pitch in Colorado, that's an easy answer. I'm going to Texas. Thanks. Well, I'm going to Colorado. Well, I'm I'm living in Colorado. I'm pitching in Texas. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody's wanting to pitch in Colorado for any amount of money. Thanks, Wade Davis. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got some baseball talk in there. I didn't know that was happening. That was interesting. Yeah. You avoided being the mascot of the pod. Good job. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Hey, I'll take my Tapia Wancho status. <laughs> the Wancho of the pod. That's right. Um, let's uh, talk about some college football before we answer some questions that we got on last week's pod. The Buffs beat Washington 2014 on Saturday, last home game of the season. They are now just one game away from being bowl eligible, which is huge. Ryan, you want to talk more about it? It was. Just, I think it's just like another step in the Mel Tucker era where you're just like, oh, this guy gets it. He's on the right track. Like, Colorado is not more talented than Washington. But that game, they played like they were the better football team with the better players. They, they were the better coach team. And that's just something we haven't seen in a long time. Like, usually for the Buffs to win a game like that, it's just it's it has the classic upset recipe where there's like a fluky turnover or a return touchdown or something like that. This was just like the Buffs went out there and they were just better than Washington for the whole game, and that was something that was really cool to see. That's you know that's what that's the goal. That's where this team is trying to go. So uh, that was awesome. Uh, obviously, the bowl eligibility thing is great kind of running into a buzzsaw here in utah but i don't know maybe like some people in alabama who really want utah to lose can pay off the refs or uh, you know (laughs) there's options yeah there's there's things that could happen um there are national implications though Uh i mean lots of colorado fans this week yeah exactly yeah you know anyone who's just outside of the college football playoff or even at the back side of the college football playoff is is pulling for colorado the problem with my refs argument there is the re- like the Pac-12 is definitely yeah. pulling for Utah, so that's not going to help. But um, it, hey, you never know. You never know. Twenty-eight point dogs. Yeah, they are twenty-eight point underdogs they haven't even against given up Utah. Twenty-eight total points in their last two games. But before yeah. we move on to Utah, I do want to talk about um, Mel Tucker just getting it and us having a chance to see that the players have really, really bought in, and it's not just the players on the current team. There have been some former players uh, saying, man, I wish I played for Mel, and other players retweeting that, and other players liking it. And so Mel is really just sold. I'm sure their coaches love that. First of all, can we name names? I don't know the story. Um, So former players who played um, for Mike McIntyre's team a year ago, two years ago. We're tweeting, retweeting, wow. saying, man, I wish I played for Devin him. Devin Ross is the one who tweeted this. But he wasn't the first one. No. Um, Doug Rippey, who also played for a couple coaching staffs ago and the last coaching staff, I'm pretty sure, he agreed with it. Like, he quote tweeted and said, yeah, don't we all? And that's just the thing. Like, 
especially when you win and there's those videos of like, yeah. you dancing in the locker room. It just looks so fun, and everyone's like, man, I wish I could have played for that so, guy. But, but it's not that McIntyre's seasons didn't have those type of wins. One did, and it was exciting. But I think it's just even because he quote tweeted, Devin Ross quote tweeted a video of Mel giving a speech before the game. And I just think mm. he does it in such a way that gets all of all the recruits who have committed are like, oh, my God, I would run through a wall for Mel Tucker. He has just created this atmosphere atmosphere that makes everyone want to play for him which is incredible and really exciting for CU. I think there's a little recency bias especially guys who played under McIntyre who's like the best coach CU has had in the last yeah, 15 years. Yeah but he's years, a herb. Hey <laughs> fine. I <laughs> Before we move on from college football talk I really want to shout out Steven Montez. Oh yeah. I think in his final drive at Folsom Field he put together what we've been looking for from Montez for since that Oregon game in the rise season, yeah. he gets knocked out. He comes back in the, he, they're facing second and forever. And it's like, man, now they're going to have to punt it, again. give over the ball. Instead, he's making plays above the X's and O's. That's what great players do. Scrambling, finding guys, throwing it on a rope in you know, adverse conditions against one of the best coach defenses, not just in the Pac-12 in all of college football. Shout out to him. What a great way to f end his career at Folsom Field. That really, you know, I've been as critical as anyone at times, but he really, shout out to him. On that. I agree. I mean, I've had my ups and downs with Steven and the way he's played the last few years, but he was a warrior on Saturday. Clearly really hurt, kept grabbing uh, his ribs, oh, speculation, of course, um, and he just didn't want to sit out he need he needed to finish that and he did a great job reading that defense and knowing when to audible out of certain plays um certain blitzes and all that so he had a fantastic game and an awesome way to finish his time at cu and then the students rushed the field and i think that was a really special moment for those seniors a lot of people were annoyed that the students rushed the Don't field even talk about that <laughs> um, because it's Washington, whatever. It's not, uh, I don't even know what you want to say, but that is going to be such a special moment for all of those seniors who've gone through a lot here at CU to remember once they the graduate. If you're sitting, the field every game. If you're, <laughs> if you're sitting like at your computer on your phone, like telling college students to have less fun, just delete <laughs> your account. I want to talk about fun, though, and I want to talk about Mel Tucker because you mentioned like the player saying, I wish I played for him. Obviously, a great leader, great coach. He's great speeches, you know, whatever. But is there also an element of fun to Mel Tucker? That do the players have more fun this year, maybe than than they've had traditionally under under other coaches? Yeah, I think I don't know. It's just it's it's just a personality thing, you know. Like I would uh, liken it to the you know you you have you ever been around a person who is like just really cool and you feel like everyone in the room mm. is trying to impress them. So it's charismatic as, mu as yeah. much as it, charisma, as much as it is just the fun factor. Definitely charisma fun. I don't think he's doing anything like, like playing games at practice, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Mike Malone, mm -hmm. like playing yeah. soccer. at right. practice. I don't think it's like that. Um, and that can, that plays into it too. It's just, I don't know. I think he's just an inspiring dude who gets it yeah. and who really connects with the players on a, a personal level that they love. So the reason I brought this up, like guys like Nick Saban, I think would not be very fun to play for, but you're going to win. 
Uh, Bill Belichick, same thing. I don't think he's like a guy that like fosters fun, but right. you're yeah. gonna win. And so I do think that that c- it can be a very overrated thing maybe to have fun. But I keep looking at Michael Malone pacing the sidelines while the Nuggets are up 20 points with three minutes to go and calling timeouts and throwing his stuff on the bench. And look, he's pushing this team to be great. And who am I to question Michael Malone, who has got this team playing like never before here in Denver? Um, but I do also wonder, it's an 82-game season, you're up 20, and you're pissed. Like, at some point, players are just – and last night we saw a little bit of this. Malone had called them out for something in the postgame, and they win by 20. And then in the locker room, he asked the players, and they're like, look, man, sometimes you have turnovers, but we won the game. And, and so I wonder if there is this limit to don't, – don't make everything a drag. I know you're pushing us, but don't. I don't know. I it's also a great, don't think – Go ahead. I also don't think it's um, that Mel Tucker is just having so much fun. I think he is, but there are certain players who he is very serious and yeah. he doesn't mm-hmm. yell, but when he mm-hmm. speaks, like you yeah. listen, and that's what a lot of players have said. <laughs> well, some players are like he's not freaking out every two seconds. McIntyre was very emotional on the sidelines throughout his tenure at CU. Well. You don't see that from Mel very much unless something's really bad. And when he's screaming, then the fan base is booing and doing all of that behind him. But to go back to uh, Coach Malone, I think you have to strike a balance. And he's totally – he's demanding greatness from them. And that's what guys like Belichick and that's what guys like Saban do. And, you you know, it becomes like a joke or a meme that like, oh, he never smiles or anything like that. I think Malone actually does a great job of pushing, pushing, pushing. But then you do see those clips of practice where he's in there playing soccer with them or he's, you know, hitting jumpers and, you know, talking trash. So I think you have to strike a balance. Um, It's not a coach, but an interesting, you know, kind of peg in this discussion is Peyton Manning. I mean, this is a dude who demanded excellence from his teammates every single second of every single practice. And anything less would result in either someone getting eviscerated on the field, getting a passive-aggressive note in their locker, (laughs) you know. And that last season, he kind of wore them down. Like, they were Mm. worn out of him, and it it was almost like – a little lucky that he suffers this injury and he kind of has to pull away Mm. and he can't, um, you know, be in charge of everything and nitpick everything. And I felt it, and especially people who were in that locker room said like, it was kind of necessary. And then it's, it's almost like you don't know what you got till it's gone thing. You you things slip here and there. And it's like, man, Peyton was right. Then all of a sudden he walks back into the huddle and he, and it's a welcome sight rather than like, man, this guy is just killing me. Yeah. Same thing happened with uh, Troy Tulowitzki when the team was good that he demanded everyone be just as good as him and work just as hard as him, it was fine. He set the standard of excellence. But when the team was bad and then he'd get hurt or, or they'd just go in these, these random stretches, that it would just create divisiveness in the clubhouse. And all of a sudden you have factions of guys and it, you completely lose the team when you're that way all the time. And then meanwhile, now the Rockies have no – leadership of that kind i think nolan arenado is trying to figure out how to be any kind of leader you know he doesn't he's not the rah rah demand accountability guy but he's not the let's all have fun their let's have fun guys are gone too that's where the rockies are in this weird spot when cargo and para left and bud black's a fun guy to be around and play but he's not that guy you know you need that guy in the clubhouse all the time and i think michael malone is fun i just think he's really intense and in game sometimes he doesn't realize the team's up 20 points (laughs) three minutes ago (laughs) and he's like who missed a rotation there that'd be great if he's really just legit that focused i think he is i really do (laughs) he like sees it every possession in a vacuum yeah exactly and sometimes i think an assistant's Mm. like hey hey, do you uh you see that we're killing him check check it out man (laughs) with nolan being that type of leader 
does that have that has a lot of similarities to similarities to Jokic, like. Well, Jokic would easily go too far. And this is why I think people sometimes talk about Malone and Jokic being an odd couple. I think they're a perfect couple because really? Jokic, without the guy sort of, you know, cracking the whip and constantly getting on guys, I think Jokic would really let himself freestyle. go <laughs> and just freestyle too much. And I think the opposite of true. I think Malone's instincts are often to grip the steering wheel even tighter whenever things go wrong. And the truth is you have to trust your guys to be able to make plays and do things like – Th- these guys have an enormous amount of talent. So it's that constant push and pull of two completely different philosophies that I think molds into something that really, really works. You, yeah. And this, you, the more you talk about this stuff, you, the more you start to understand what makes a great coach. It's not all X's and O's. It's you know managing huh. uh, scenarios. It's yeah. knowing when to push harder, when to pull back. It's knowing that um, maybe Jamal Murray needs to get yelled at and maybe uh, MPJ needs a meeting in your office. You know, like yeah. it's yeah. all of those things. And you talk about like letting the team work through it. Like people get all over Tad Boyle because he never calls a timeout. Like he won't do a run stopping timeout. He's like, you guys got to figure it out on yeah. your own. And and some coaches call it too quick. Yeah. And the players are like, yo, we got this. So it, there's so many different variables to what makes a great coach. Uh, and it's it's I think it's so interesting to look at like all these case by case basis of, of who presses what buttons and how do they work. Yeah, I, the same thing applies to the abs in a lot of ways, especially building those relationships with the players. We saw a couple of years ago with Patrick Waugh, mm-hmm. he was very much a yeller, screamer. He would call his players out to the media publicly at times. And there's almost this void. Patrick Waugh would bring in all of these veterans that had very much the same mindset of him. And in hockey, it's such a young league now that there are a lot of coaches that struggle to connect with a younger generation of hockey players that weren't brought up in this same kind of field in that type of way where it's all this negative reinforcement all the time. And then you bring in Jared Bednar, who is much, much more calm. He still can give tough love if that's necessary, but he's much more has an open dialogue with the players that play under him. And there's a relationship there instead of a, Mm. Oh, this coach just hates all of us type of thing. Yeah, I finding think ways to relate to not so much millennials, but like kids in that yeah. 18 to 22 exactly. range in 2019, I think is the overarching biggest topic of coaching yep. in today's day and, and age in all sports. I think Malone's really, really good at this. Again, I think he has a really short temper and he's an extremely intense guy. So in those moments... He's maybe not as great as, but I think all even he'll go into the locker room. Some of these games he's gone, he's been heated, storms off the court. And then he comes out of the locker room. And he's like, you know, I might have been a little too <laughs> too <laughs> intense at the end of that game, and he recognizes. I just think his his heart rate is always wound up. And for Vic Fangio, an interesting thing happened where during training camp, guys felt like he was being way too hard on them. All the negative reinforcement. He only ever says anything when I do something wrong, and it was starting to rub some guys the wrong way, and. It's funny because as, uh, from uh, the other side of things, you know, a coach is always better until they've coached a game. This, in, in this scenario, it worked out the other way around. The players were starting to get really worn down from Vic Fangio. Then they, then they were with him on a Sunday where they saw, oh, he really knows what he's doing, calling the defense, and this scheme is actually making me better. And that thing that he yelled at me about, I actually mm. you know, was able to put that to use. The players actually started liking him a little bit more now. And then you had the report a couple of weeks ago that he's rubbing some guys the wrong way. And I think every new coach is probably going to be that way. But uh, it's interesting. He is definitely a more on the negative reinforcement side of the scale. 
But then it's like when he says something positive to you, it means a little more, you know? Sure. So, again, it's all about striking and the balance. Like Adam talked about, if you're Bill Belichick and all you do is win, you can be whatever you want, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, what was funny about, because you were talking about dressing up. I think Bud Black walks that line almost perfectly. That's why it's so weird for me when people get after him on Twitter or whatever. He is this... You remember a couple of years ago when uh, Kyle Freeland was struggling in the middle of the game and he went out, he dressed him down. Now, you couldn't, he wasn't yelling and screaming. You could, but I'm telling you, I'm privy to the contents of that conversation at this point. It was not a positive thing. It was, what are you doing? Pull your head out of your ass. You're better than this. You're making dumb decisions. You're not pitching well. He finished that game out nicely, went out the next game, almost threw a no hitter at Coors Mm -hmm. Field. But he hasn't handled Kyle Freeland that way this last year. He didn't go out and dress him down when he was struggling this year, recognizing that the problem is different. And his psyche was probably not in the same place. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so I, I think to a man, and stuff like that, him recognize like what uh, we were talking about earlier here with Adam is like, you, you've got to recognize the difference in those situations and, and for these kids and why Bud Black hasn't lost a single member of that clubhouse even after the year they just had and how terrible the pitching went because every one of those pitchers trusts in his ability to know what to do to help them personally, whether it means standing on the mound in front of 30,000 people at Coors Field, I'm going to scream in your face, but everyone's going to think I'm being calm, or I'm going to be really relaxed and and when you're having a rough time and, and figure this out. We've seen him throw a fit. The closest thing we've seen him throw to a fit after they're slamming doors. He doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't throw his guys under the bus to the media like, I think he's the perfect balance of all these things we're talking about. All right. Well, Mike Bobo for CSU, um, since we're talking about coaches, I feel like his, <laughs> Oh, transition. Um, well, I do want to talk about CSU football, and they lost another game on Saturday against um, Friday, Mountain West yeah. Friday against Mountain West rivals Wyoming. Um, and from what we know, Mike Bobo's – still gonna be here next year and the year after yeah. that it's a complex situation yeah yeah and i mean they've really picked it up in conference play their defense has just by leaps and bounds it's very rocky-esque where the defense finally figures it out and this offense that had been clicking for a while has just disappeared yeah um and you know complimentary football is the key to everything you can't just play good defense and poor offense and special teams all those groups need to kind of pick each other up. If you get a pick, then you got to score and capitalize and do those kind of things. Obviously, a tough game, but yeah, the I mean, the, the offense really underwhelmed. Was so, so and questionable. That's Bobo's. That game. That's Bobo's bread and butter. Yeah, that was that was wild. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times where coaches get blamed for games when mm-hmm. they probably didn't deserve it, and this was not one. I mean, there was going for fourth, you know, going forward on fourth down on your own side of the field in a tie game. Ugh makes no sense to me they yeah. don't they don't get it in, in, in a game where they couldn't get anything on short yardage you know they were they were running it yeah. into the middle and getting nothing um there's a couple other decisions that i'm just like man he is just digging his own grave yeah. and i know before the season i trust justin as as my source for oh. you know csu he no. said pretty much bobo is safe regardless yeah college football is an interesting uh place because you need the support of your donors you you can't succeed without it and when you go zero and twelve, when you lose twelve consecutive games to your rivals, you know four straight seasons of losing to all three of your rivals. Right. You you lose those people, yeah. and those people in in a lot of scenarios call the shots. 
you know, it, the the athletic director has the final say. But with no, if if all those people are, are banding together and saying, "You got to get this guy out," you your hands are tied. You kind of have to get the guy out. I would not be surprised if Mike Bobo gets fired because, again, you just you just can't lose twelve games in a row to rivals. You just you don't get away with that in college football. Yeah, well, you got to rally those donors though, because yeah. with that buyout being so expensive, what are the alternatives out there? And that's why they have the power because right. they can say, "Hey, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll you know mm-hmm. buck up and help you do this. Right. We just want this guy out." Right. And that's happened, you know, dozens of times. Huh? So, I. Uh, <laughs> You can lose to Colorado, you know, like the fans can write that off. You you just don't get to keep losing to Wyoming. Like that's the one to or me. Air Force, man. Air- I, I talked to Calhoun before oh. the season. He he talked about how CSU has made, you know, all this financial commitment. They don't have any of the recruiting, you know, limitations that Air Force obviously uh, with the military commitment has and all that. It's... <laughs> It's just it doesn't add up apples to apples. They should absolutely, with the financial commitments they have made, be beating Wyoming and Air Force. And then, uh, and again, you, we talk about this on the Broncos podcast with fan support. Like, look at that stadium, man. That is oh. scary. I mean, when you fans see a, a brand new up. stadium that is just empty. I yep. mean, yep. empty. It, those things send messages to the people up top. Uh, look at the Buffs. They made a hire. They made a new hire this year and sold out almost every single game like sometimes you have to make a move yeah. like that just to get some revenue and right that. yeah i mean fans are fed up our very own uh, sales director lindsey sauer is over it there's so many people who mm-hmm. just want a new head coach um to try and spark something with yeah. this football but team respect well, to lindsey because she's still showing up to the games yep, that's maybe true. a win against boise state will be that spark let's I, see i i wouldn't hold my breath but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what, guys? Taking care of your teeth is important. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's seriously that easy. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. And by the end of it, you could have a free Sonicare toothbrush. Now, we this I know this pod is running a little long, but we do have some questions that I want to get to, but we're going to do them quickly. So, you don't get to explain your answer. You just get to answer. Oh. Um, Bumpy Buffalo says, I will throw out another random cross sports question that can be applied many ways. One, who is the fastest player on each team? Pure speed. Rockies, go. Garrett Hampson. Really? Yeah. Okay. I asked. I told you not to give an uh, explanation, but I'm interested yeah. in that one. Yeah, Garrett Hampson's uh, the I, – I think there's even just stat cast data for this. He runs to at like 31 yeah, feet a second or something. Wow. He's just – yeah, he's elite level he speed. I know he's bases. Yeah. Um, that's where he goes. So he's just a little bit faster at, at full speed than Tapia, who's just right. a little bit faster than Dahl. All right, Hampson, hockey. McKinnon, and it's not close. McKinnon, okay. Um. Probably De- Deontay Spencer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's my best guess there. Godpeed. Okay. So take that for Godpeed. <laughs> yeah. We all know that now. Um, and nuggets. Uh, e- easily Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, probably Malik Beasley. Malik they're they're Beasley? not that fast of a team. That's I don't so think. weird to me. They used to just be Earl Boykins and Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson. Yeah, Ty Lawson was really yeah. Big, yeah. All right. Of those four guys, who would win win in a race? But does the McKinnon foot? get skates? <laughs> foot or skates, your choice. Funny, yeah. It says foot or skates, your choice. Because McKinnon's on, winning on skates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one has a chance. Okay, get McKinnon out of there, out of the U3. 
I would probably guess Hampson wins I, this race. I would too, actually. I mean, if 30 is accurate, then he'd be like faster than anyone. In the it other. definitely comes down to Hampson and Deontay Spencer. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. And then he said, Although Cherry. Malik Beasley strides. He's really tall. I mean, 6'5. He definitely. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, relative to other NBA How players. How long is the race? Is it a. Yeah. We need to get um, the Denver Olympics started. <laughs> 90 feet. Um, all right. Cherry. He finishes off with oh, Cherry Pie. Really oh, my God. <laughs> really quick. I forgot that Kalfani Muhammad participated in that 40 yard dash race thing that they did. Remember, it was like. An off-season thing I where told they you had no explanations. But yeah, I forgot. I just forgot. This about is a him. side story. <laughs> <laughs> he came in like third place guy. out of everyone. So. Okay, he's got a little cult hero buzz too, no? Kalfani. Yeah. I mean, for the diehards. This is the, the first deep, time deep anyone's diehards. heard his name. Since <laughs> okay, I've said cherry pie like ten times. Cherry pie is Colorado's pie just because people thought they were talking about the song, not the dessert. That's what Bumpy Buffalo says. Um, (laughs) Then we've got uh, No More Rats commented. No More Rats commented. Um, A long thing about the chants that we were talking about last week. I think AJ is not exactly characterizing Avs fans' dislike of the dub chant. It's It's not necessarily the chant per se. It's A, they were doing it in someone else's building here. B, they do it in our building every time he moves a muscle, including the most pedestrians of saves. To be fair, Avs fans have started to do that with Groove, and it's annoying the shit out of me. (laughs) And C, Wild and their fans suck. And then in regards to A, above, I heard quite a bit of Groob in Vegas a few weeks ago, especially as the game went on. I did it myself when he stopped that breakaway late in the game. It just sort of came out of my mouth uncontrollably, but it was a yell and not a chant. I could see where it would piss off Vegas fans that people would do that in their building, but I'm not a Vegas fan, so I don't really care. <laughs> I've also heard their lifelong uh, stalwarts chanting sub? 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 I don't know. Sub? Subaru? Here Suban. are a few t- re- a few times right before Malcolm Subban got shelled, and my only response was to laugh. Here's the thing: is like all these things are fun to do, and it's not fun when the other people yeah. are doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want other fans to cheer in your building. Show up. Yep. That yeah. There we <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, Say all that right. for the Rockies fans one more time, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I get World real mad about Cubs and Dodgers and Cardinals, and and I get it because it is irritating to hear louder cheers for the other team scoring in your building, and it happens regularly down at Coors Field. But show up, Celtics last week, Lakers next week. I mean, it was at least fifty percent. The Celtics that that blew me away. I wasn't used people to them hate, traveling. People like have that. A, people from Boston have an enormous amount of pride for their city, but also hate everything about it <laughs> and move far away from right. it. Right. <laughs> the only place I that this ha- pretty happens pretty rarely is with the Broncos. Like, I feel like it happens in everyone's stadium, yeah. except for, well, I mean, I know it's ha- it happened once with Pittsburgh. I remember they, like, came in with the terrible towels, and it was yeah. Cleveland, bad, though, other than that, Cle- pretty... No, Cleveland had the, – there's a lot of Cleveland fans randomly from yes. the Cleveland Luckily, they wear, or- they wear orange. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> harder to I tell. I do feel like transplants, if there's one team they adopt, it's the Broncos because it's just so ingrained in the culture. It's you what think? you talk about at the cooler. Man, I don't know about that. You think they adopt the Broncos? I mean, I that's, that's yeah. the one to that's me that's – my experience uh, talking to a lot of t- everyone especially needs to start having kids all right the kids will take right. the hometown team yeah that's true but yeah, the, the people who generation. move here right yeah, exactly yeah. i also think football is just like a, a sunday thing or a thursday thing it's not that much of a commitment so it's easy for transplants who don't necessarily follow sports to be like oh i can watch some football 
on Sunday or sure, See, let's I go think, to brunch I and think watch football that. and baseball are the two where you're the most the fan of the sport and basketball. And maybe this is true of hockey. I don't really know. But basketball, a lot of people are fans of players. So the lead and especially with recently how much players move around, people's allegiance to seem a little bit more fickle. Whereas with the NFL, drives me nuts, I can't imagine a Steelers fan moving and being like, oh, I'm not a Steelers fan. Like, no, it's like right. it's who you are. I think what it is, it's it's the sure. person who's not that big of a fan of anything uh, yeah. who comes yeah. to Denver and they're like, whoa, everyone's all about the Broncos yeah, right. here. I guess I got to pay attention yeah. to that. Yeah. I worked with a lot of international people. That was definitely the case with the internationals. Mm. Just coming um, from Pittsburgh, Ohio, it might be different. Speaking of, I was at the grocery store on Sunday, on a Sunday, and I saw four people wearing Nuggets jerseys. Hey man, they're, they're four people. They're they on were the rise. obviously playing that day, but that was. Can you imagine if they were on TV? How <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And with that, we move on to the next question. Brutal. Um, World of Suck uh, asked, "Who is the best team in Denver right now? Abs or Nuggets?" I I think it's the Nuggets. They're thirteen and three. They're it's. <laughs> The most important thing is right now. It's yeah. definitely the Nuggets. They're at full strength. Abs they're have rolling. no chance until yeah. they're healthy, for yeah. sure. Drew. Yeah, I mean, right this second, it's the, it's the yeah, Nuggets. If, right, if by right yeah. now we mean the season, I I mean I don't know enough it's about really hockey, or whatever. But I I still have all kinds of horrible flashbacks. Nuggets have this great star player, and the only team in their way is the Lakers in the West. I'm like, I've <laughs> seen this movie a hundred <laughs> times before. So uh, he he continues it with the two teams are so similar in their respective leagues, and that's really and that it's really it's hard to say which squad is better. Nuggets have a far better record, but I'm going. With the Avs because of their star trio of McKinnon, Rantanen, and Makar. I mean, yeah, I, I said it last week yeah. when it, the second that I saw uh, Makar start to become a superstar, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm moving the Avs up in my rankings of who's most likely to win mm -hmm. a championship. Mm -hmm. But again, who's the best team right now? It's this the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. And then Benjamin commented, please cover Col Colorado college hockey. Uh, Shouts to CC, <laughs> alma mater. Wow, yeah. That's sure. a, a Rudo um, thing? Are they good? I should know this. Uh, no. <laughs> DU is the yeah. team to cover if yeah. you're going to cover one. And Hard disagree. I like to try and get there <laughs> occasionally when Avs prospects come to town, but to be honest, if you're not an Avs prospect. To everyone yeah. who yes. wants us to cover a team in Colorado that we aren't, it's always on our radar. Like we're always thinking about it, but we we are still a young company. That's you know we want to nail down what we're doing. We just now are getting to see you and CSU. Uh, in the subscription era, so give us time. We'll we'll try. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, I get a lot of comments on my um, sports report every day, being like, "You forgot about this team. What about this team?" And well, f number one, I have two minutes and twenty seconds to talk <laughs> about already six teams, <laughs> sometimes eight, when I try and add basketball in there for the colleges. So I just talk. We talk about the teams that we currently cover at DNVR, but we of course would love to cover all of the teams if we had a chance. Well, we're people subscribe, there. buy t-shirts, and yeah, buy Breck Brew. Exactly. We can cover. Yeah. For real. Yeah, great. Great book. That's it. Um, all right. Who won the week? Last week we had two Avs. Uh, Ryan decided to ditch football and go with the Avs. Um, I just wanted to win, and boy, <laughs> did I. Saying the words and Kale McCarr usually yes. does. <laughs> yes, so the options were A, Adam Warner's 40-save game, B, Juancho Hernan Gomez and the Nuggets for being fun again, C, Kale McCarr for rising to stardom, and D, fans of not the Houston Astros. Right. <laughs> um, D is underrated, uh, I, I man. I felt yeah. like D, that was a solid answer, as good as I was going to get. Everyone could have got behind that, except for us Astros fans. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kale McCarr for rising to stardom, won by 40 per 
47%. And then uh, 24% of the votes was Adam Warner's 40 save game. 21% was Juancho. And good old 8% was fans of not the Houston Astros. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? Um, AJ's really aggressive about this on the Periscope, so I'm going to say it. He wrote in all caps, Shadow shout out SFA cowards. <laughs> yes, Stephen F. Austin with a big oh, upset right. over Duke last night. That is um, AJ's Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks shout out. Yes, The win you, against Duke is a win for go. everyone. That's right. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. true. That's, yeah. that's I mean, they beat them at Cameron Indoor. That, that was, was great. Incredible. In overtime with a walk-off. Dunk. It was a, a layup. Walk off layup. If he dun- if he would have dunked it, he might not have had enough time. All right, let's go with there. You go, AJ. We talked about it. Right, I hope you're happy. Um, who won the week? Let's start with you, Adam. Why did the Nuggets win the week? Well, I, the Nuggets won the week because they went four and zero. But that's not who I'm nominating. Okay. We've talked about Rudo, right? You said this. Regular season wins are the most important. Denver four and zero. But I'm going to give it to two guys. <laughs> two guys who have really. One back over the fans after last year, maybe having some down years. Will the Thrill Barton. Mm. You got 10 seconds. Put up 16 <laughs> points, eight, t- eight rebounds, eight <laughs> assists. And then Gary Harris, who is earned a new nickname. First team. First team all defense. Locked first up team, Booker. Locked team. up Harden. Locked up Bradley Beal. These two dudes are balling Time's out. Time's up. All right. Sweet buzzer. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not worrying Time's about up, the buzzer legs. today. <laughs> Instead um, of the glove, call him the mitt. First team, that's eh. – Hey, man, uh, oh, first the team, G. Uh, the first team, team G. Slide decided on this. I actually like Gary Harris not having a nickname. It's kind of – he has such a mm. plain name. So Gary <laughs> Gary, Gary Harris Harris is a very <laughs> good nickname. So Gary. good. All right, Ryan. His, like, stiff little layups and everything. <laughs> are you going Broncos? Are you going – who are you doing? I don't have to I don't have to call my shot. This is a pool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. Drew Locke has won the week, finally. <laughs> he is going to get a chance to start. He has been trapped. I have been calling for his release. Adam's really mad right, right now. Can we get about free free. one? Yeah, he hasn't free. even played I've been yet. saying free Drew Locke for weeks, and Drew is finally free. He's out from behind bars, and he is ready to take the reins of this team. It, it's been too long, and he is finally free. So Drew Locke has won the week. Michael right, Porter Jr. Right won the week because he's gonna at some point. <laughs> <laughs> this might be Drew's last week to win the week. So I'm like, the week every get week. your votes I know in what now, I'm doing please. Here. All right, Rudo, go. As much as I'd love to just keep saying Kale McCarr on this show, <laughs> Nathan McKinnon deserves a little respect. He's been put on the back burner behind this McCarr coming out party. Shiny new toy. He is the shiny new toy, but McKinnon has kind of quietly been making a bunch of not top-line players look like top-line players. Mm. He is moving into that category of hockey player like a Sidney Crosby that it's, oh, it doesn't matter who you put with him, they'll score 50 points. Mm. So if he can continue to play like that, not only is he an MVP caliber player. (laughs) I almost forgot. That's good. (laughs) I'm good. Um, Yeah, if, if it wasn't already played out, I wanted to do the look at us meme for uh burakovsky and donskoy yeah right burakovsky and donskoy playing with nathan mckinnon and just racking up points look at us who would have thought all right drew go i got nothing no (laughs) (laughs) i i i actually here's what i'm gonna nominate cu athletics 
Right. Well, I guess I could. I didn't watch any of that this week. No, I'm I'm actually going to pick the Nuggets, but for the jerseys, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the branding. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that was a really really quality launch. They got a lot of people excited. Um, I can be pretty cynical about rebrands and jerseys and stuff. I typically don't care. And the second I saw that one that Ryan's got on now, I was like, that is fire, and everyone's going to be wearing those. Time. So good job, Nuggets, on some some awesome rebranding. Sweet. Can I say more powerful than a vote on the poll, which you should still do, is a purchase of the Thrill shirt to to vote for Adam. That's true. That's a great one. And the purchase of uh, our black Skyline, which... uh, Way to sell, Dre. Way to sell, sell. Andre. Coming in hot. Brendan Brendan was plugging last week. You've got it this week. That's right. Drew, I think that your nomination was great. I think the one... You nominated somebody that will be good. You nominated somebody that hasn't been that bad. I Your argument was, you know, a lot of people have overlooked him. Is this the, <laughs> well, that's you know, you're not overlooking a guy that got a nickname first team and a guy that it has won over a million. Nathan haters. McKinnon deserves to this win the week more the than league. Will Barton yeah. and Gary Harris. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Four no? McKinnon. No. I want the two top teams in the conference. I petitioned for everyone to vote for Drew. For the Nuggets to finally win and it not be an <laughs> argument. Yes, it not nothing guy. to do with their players. I'll tell you what, you can definitely vote for that jersey because the Av Stadium series jersey is disgusting. Ooh, it's yeah. so, so bad. bad. Someone did a revamp. They like did it yeah. with the same design down. and it looked right. better. Just don't leave half of the jersey empty for yeah. no reason. Well, what really happened is uh, Drew Ross perod me. He's going to split yeah, the Nuggets yeah, vote, you know? I did. <laughs> I, I did. knew that was going to happen. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Although we split the Avs vote last week, and I still won. And uh, then the Avs got second. The other Avs yeah, got second works. place. So. Um, all right. Well, it's been <laughs> on, a Nuggets long fans. show. Thanks for listening all the way till the end. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.